Welcome to episode 53 of the Horror Dads podcast. I'm your host, John, joined by my faithful and omnipresent co-host, Jamie. What's up, man? Hey. Oh, so deep. Hey. I've been working on that for minutes. What's up, man? You just stare in the mirror and practice the naked. Yeah. Just flexing. (laughs) What's going on, dude? Oh, man. It, uh, It was a summery day. Like 65. I know. It's what? December 11th? And now it's yeah. snowing. It's December 11th. It was like my teeth feel like they're going to fall out of my head because we went from a 58 degree day and it like dropped down to 30 and it's going to be 60 tomorrow. So sinuses are on tilt, but yeah, my old man knees and elbows are the size of oh, bowling balls dude. creaking, creaking up and down the steps. Um, but we are in the season, right, man? Like we're, we're ready. We're we, Christmas bound. We really are. And uh, it's funny because as you just stated, like there's days where you feel in the season and days where you just feel kind of disconnected from it. This was one of those days. Ah, should I just put on Friday the 13th and rent a cabin today? Returning all my gifts. Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're in it. Uh, but this episode is something we've been sitting on a minute. We've been talking about doing this amongst ourselves. I don't know if we've acknowledged it, but this podcast is going to be a really fun one. It is Big Names little movies. So we're going to talk about those. We have a few Academy Award winners. We're going to talk about uh, those actors that got their start in our genre, in the horror genre. Um, We have some shit movies on this list and we've got some good movies on this list, right? Dude, 100%. We've, (laughs) we've talked to some uh, filmmakers and actors that have been on the show about why it seems that like uh, for a lot of, up and coming actors, it's kind of like a, you know, paying your dues, you know, being in a shitty horror movie, you know? And it's weird to think too, because I, I do feel like the genre gets a knock. Um, and so many of these movies become almost classic later in life because they are known for having that person in it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, which is a little bit wild, but you know, we, we have conversations constantly with people about like why the horror genre like what is it you know it's not it's not intelligent you know you can't extract anything human from it but um this just demonstrates that the you know the sandbox here is is open for for exploration and there's plenty of room um to test test different things and that's what we love so much about the genre and i think that all these movies we're about to talk about uh jamie's gonna pick five i'm gonna pick five and uh this 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 topic really just kind of drives that point home yep yep you can get deeper come on we'll get there a lot of show (laughs) left john all right man um so if you're new to the show before we get into our our theme uh we always do a little catch-up we talk about what we've been watching what we're wearing uh we're real big into the horror merch scene (laughs) what's been going on with the family obviously we're dads and um, we got a couple of shout outs to, to do as well. Yeah. Who are we shouting out, John? You want to start with that? Yeah. Let's roll yeah, right into we it. We never start with let's, that. Let's but, get the acknowledgements out. Um, so first and foremost, Alex uh, Lavasser, who was on the, the last episode, episode 52, um, he sent uh, to my home, he had mentioned on that podcast that he's doing bookmarks, um, like horror theme, like kid related bookmarks and he he made these amazing uh he has this like nice like he did a, a pinhead bookmark 
and Pinhead, who's like one of the most frightening looking <laughs> images in horror, he made it look so kid friendly and so fun. Um, so we will get that image on Instagram. Um, and he sent a couple of them. He sent a Leatherface one as well. And uh, they're super, super cool, super cute. Um, the kids loved them. And if you guys want one, I think Alex is offering up, uh, uh, making one and we'll pay for shipping. So, uh, let us know if you're into a bookmark for your kids. That is uh super rad. You can never have enough bookmarks, right? Dude. I, I have more bookmarks than books. Yeah. <laughs> Me same. And then when I need a bookmark, I can't fucking find one. <laughs> um, the other the other shout out we want to give is one of our brand new uh, patrons uh, who's Casey uh, Paula Main. Casey's been following us for a while. Uh, Casey's incredibly awesome. So thank you, Casey, for joining us. And she is also a creative. She uh, is part of a creative group, I think, called Creative License. Um, I think that's what the their moniker is. But they, they have like a subset of that group called Murder Tonic. And they did this one uh, session on... Um, on Woodsboro, you know, from Scream. So it was kind of like a live sort of podcast that kind of occurs in the space, uh, space and time of the in sequence of the original Scream, which is super, super fun. And Casey's great. Um, that's a really fun listen. So head over and, and check out Creative License, uh, the Murder Tonic series. Yeah, check that out. And thank you so much, Casey. Uh, happy to have you on board. Yeah, we hope you enjoy the content. So uh, a couple other quick things to hit before we jump in to our episode topic. What have you been watching, man? <clears throat> oh, man. I don't even really want to talk about this movie, but we're going to. Uh, you did this last time, too, didn't you? Yeah, I've been taking some for the team, you know? <laughs> you, like, went on this big ex- explanation of, like, this film, and you're like, also, I recommend you don't want to watch this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is one that I-, I feel like a lot of people have seen. And I haven't heard uh, really anyone say, I, I feel like maybe people have a hard time uh, classifying it or knowing how to feel about it, but it's uh, Prisoners of the Ghostland, the new uh, Nicolas Cage film. Oh, shit. Okay. So and you his, watched it? I did. And his movies are just, you know, he's at the stage of his career where it's like, just if it's fucking crazy, give it to me. I'll take it. I'm in. Yeah. Um, I'll take a shot of uh, whatever you can get in my veins and then I'll fucking, you know, like. Uh, jet fuel, and then I'll just act this scene out. You know, Disney was like, uh, so National Treasure's done. You made Mandy, <laughs> so you're not allowed back. Yeah. Then you made Willy's Wonderland, and now you made this fucking bizarro film, which is absolutely bizarre, dude. Um, Chop Top Mosley, Bill Mosley, I love him in everything, but his character was just kind of, I oh, don't know. so he's in it? Yeah, he is. Yep. Cool. And it's like, you know, I love him, I love his, like, character, uh, but I don't know this one. I'm, I may need to see this one again. I, I may never watch it again. I have a question for you. Shoot. Do you love Nicolas Cage? I think I do. Yeah. I, I found myself asking my, myself this question. Yeah. I don't know the answer to that for myself. But. Here's, here's the question that I asked myself was, would I have even watched this movie if, if somebody if not Nicolas Cage in was yeah. in? And the answer is no. All right. Like I stopped, like it's one of those where I fell asleep, went back and finished it. I wouldn't have finished it if it was anyone else. So final assessment, recommend no or yes. I, it honestly depends on who you are and what you like. (laughs) I will say that I dug the score. It's almost like a, like a Western synthwave vibe. Cool. Something like Tarantino would do. 
So it's but worth not the movie, not the movie. The uh, it it almost. So it, if you're if you're looking to take a gamble, yeah, and you um have some spicy taste, check it out. Yeah. Yep. That uh, fair. Shoot some jet fuel, smoke a J, <laughs> throw it on. All right. Um. So, I have not really seen anything too new as of late. Uh, I know we were talking about Bly Manor last go round and how I was kind of yawning through it. And I yawned yeah. my way all the way to the end, and I'm still yawning. Mm. So I, don't get me wrong, like, really dug Midnight Mass, really really enjoyed Haunting Hill House, but the Haunting of Bly Snooze Manor. It, so here's here, my take on it was that around, like, episode five or six, it took a different turn. So it kind of kept moving, you know what I mean? Sure. You didn't feel that way? You felt like it I just kind of was one note? Well, no, I felt my problem with it is I felt like it was like nine notes that were their own notes. And I was like, I want a cohesive story. Uh, you, yeah. And they did if for my personal taste, I felt like it was too much. It, it You get to a point where you go like, you couldn't have told me this three episodes ago. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you let me believe this one thing when it's this thing. Come on. I get it. I get what you're saying. I've also been doing the standard winter stuff, though. Um, so we were talking about last go round the first snowfall watching the thing. Uh, so I've had the original version of the thing from the fifties on, on repeat. That's a safe one to have on around the kids, which is nice. Um, and terror train is always like a holiday season film uh, to have on. We actually have that on in the oh, background definitely. right now. Yeah. So it's not, it's not a Christmas movie by any means, but new year's, right? That counts. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's close. <laughs> and it's like, it's cold as hell and it's snowy on the platform and, um, they're dressed in like Halloween. So like for me, any, any time post Halloween to new year's, this movie's on dude, 100% it's October 31st through, yeah. yeah. Uh, January 1st. I'm I'm totally on board. Yep. And then I, I rallied through, um, all the black Christmases and I realized that middle one, uh, which I think we talked about from like the late two thousands. Um, I hadn't seen before. And, uh, so I watched that one, which was more of a true remake, um, than the most recent one. Yep. Yeah. And, and I enjoyed it, you know, like I'd rather have that movie than not have it. It's fine. Yeah. What is, you know what it reminds me a lot of is like the sorority row to sorority row remake. Yeah. Where it's very yeah, yeah. similar. Yeah. Very fair. Um, what did you, so which one was your favorite sequel? Uh, because I, I'm assuming the original is still your favorite. Yeah. The original is be, be. my favorite of the, of them. And being that that's the case, like that, intermediary remake i i like i suppose more than the most recent one but i i really really dig the whole approach of that most recent one i i honestly i really enjoy all three films um i'm not like i'm a purist when it comes to this kind of stuff i suppose but also some people just like hate on shit like don't touch my original i don't want to remake um you and i are not that way we're not and but if the remake sucks it sucks like, I, I like all these movies, and I would say Black Christmas is up there in terms of holiday films as being one of my favorites, but, like, it's yeah. not, it's not like, one of my, it wouldn't be in my top ten favorite horror films yeah. of all time. I got you. Um, so, a remake of, of a movie I like a lot rather than, like, you know, the remake of the thing I'm way more critical of yeah, than yeah, the remake yeah. of Black Christmas. So, But uh, what are you wearing, man? So, because it was, like, a summery feeling day i threw on my i know what you did last summer t the uh like slasher one yeah did you bring uh fireworks with you for the podcast yeah 
Fourth of July hat? Yep. Your rain slicker? <laughs> you know it. My hook, it's in my back pocket. Um, and then uh, now I have a hoodie on, my trick-or-treat hoodie, because it got cold as fuck. So here we are. Yeah. I have on my, um, my David Slobodnik, who's our buddy, uh, Jack the Lantern, uh, crew neck, which Jamie and I always laugh about, like, when women and men talk about the idea of, like, being in a mink coat and being not wearing clothes underneath like this is the item that you want because it is so soft <laughs> you know what i mean like it's so it is good, like a uh, cat fur <laughs> it on is. the interior yeah it's great um you've been buying anything or looking to buy anything so you know with the christmas coming i haven't really been uh indulging in stuff for myself but um i had uh, i have a lot of things that i do want to buy like post christmas first one being the you know that I love this movie so much. Uh, the Bloodsport vinyl through Waxwork. I, I just saw that. Just didn't that just it, drop it like, a week, like a week ago? Yeah. Yep. <clears throat> and uh, I actually tested, texted our buddy Justin, who's been on the show a few times. Um, he and I both love that movie. And we were both like, oh, God, if I drink too much tonight, I'm going to buy it. Um, <laughs> so I can't wait to get that. I can't wait to drink too much. And buy yeah, it. <laughs> exactly. You know how we love the drunk purchases. Yeah. And Justin's in that same boat. Um, and then Fright Rags has some stuff coming out. that Like that Silent Night, Deadly Night shirt is just so good. And I don't know if you saw the Burb shirt they have. It's uh, like I'm already a, in. I haven't seen it, but I'm in. <laughs> it's a uh, Exorcist-like uh, mashup, and uh, it's called Suburbia Compels You. And then... Uh, oh, my God. Which is amazing, right? Suburbia Compels You, so good. And that's such a relevant, like, pop cult. Oh, dude. Yeah. So on, cool. On both sides. Wait, and that's Fright Rags? Fright Rags, yeah. That's like a, a City Fox printing. Dude, totally. Yeah. I was shocked to see that on there. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then the last thing I wanted to mention was our buddy Chris Garofalo, Quote Face Studios, has this Black Christmas Krampus poster, the uh, another mashup. And it is just so cool. Like, I just love him. I love his poster sizes. The 9 by 24 is a unique size. Yeah. And uh, you have some here. Yeah fits so well when you've got like a ton of artwork on your walls and it can go vertical or horizontal to complement any piece. Dude, exactly. And I'm running out of space in my office, you know, like wall space, real estate's getting uh, pretty pricey in there. So Jamie and I were talking about putting cubicles in our, uh, just adding in walls. Our workspaces just <laughs> to have additional wall space. So. Why do you have a smaller <laughs> office inside of your actual office? Wall yeah. space. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, that's awesome, man. Um, so, I've not been buying a ton uh, with the exception of I picked up a candle um, from our buddy Jillian. Ooh, I saw it. Which one? With Smell of Fear. Uh, I think it's called Hell of a Day. Um, and it was like a Christmas theme sort of thing. And it's got this like amazing balsam fir sort of you feel like you're on a Christmas tree farm. Uh, and her candles are just so like you feel like you're holding a heartbeat. Like you feel like you bought something that has actual soul in it and it's just such a rewarding thing to support you know small business that's what we're all about and um she's so so awesome so kind and um so creative so please she's amazing and not only that she uses like the most top quality ingredients right it's like moon wax and like uh for (laughs) (laughs) mars wax yeah (laughs) uh four ounce four ounce candle will last you like nine weeks oh it lasts Yeah. yeah it burns nice uh, so let's hit uh, family stuff and then jump into the episode, man. 
Yeah, so I did the unthinkable last night and took my kids to Disney on Ice. Uh, I think you have the pleasure of taking yours tomorrow. I'm going tomorrow at 1 o'clock yeah. p.m., yeah. So I went in the evening, uh, which is probably worse, right? Because you hit the witching hour right around like 8.30 where the kids <clears throat> should 100% be in bed. Wait, what time did you go? So the show starts at 7. Oh. Uh, we got there at Never. 6. We got there at 6 when the doors opened. Nope. Nope. It's a good time. Oh, nope. also, nope. so as we're waiting for the show to start, somebody pulled the fire alarm. Oh, my God. Was it so your son? So they're, like, evacuating the entire... It was you your would, son. You honestly would think, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so they're evacuating the entire place. The buzzer, like, the alarm is so, so fucking loud. loud yeah. And I don't know if... Uh, if you guys have kids, you probably can relate to this. Like, young fucking children do not react well to super loud noises, like a screeching fire alarm so the kids we have kids crying and it, it was just a nightmare dude because we had like we had a suite our pets heads are falling off <laughs> <laughs> so it went yeah. downhill fast uh but anyway i was gonna say that the true horror here is the uh costumes that the finding nemo ice skaters wear oh so I'll wait find out till tomorrow. you see these dude horrifying oh okay i'll i'll get i'll give my report next week when we record with our buddy <laughs> yeah Tim. yeah uh, but real quick, my little one, uh, the four-year-old Riker, he comes in my office the other day and uh, <clears throat> some Christmas movie was on or something. And he was like, ugh, I hate Christmas. I miss Halloween. Oh. And my heart melted and turned into a pumpkin. <laughs> here we are. Because you know my oldest son, he loves Christmas and Easter. Yeah. Like those are his two. I think it might be Easter than Christmas. He's sleeping outside now. So <laughs> the other one has the bedroom. So, oddly enough, my family story is from yesterday as well. Um, my daughter went from not losing any teeth at all to losing two teeth this week. Oh, boy. Yeah. So, her first one went Wednesday, and her second went yesterday on Friday. How'd they come out? Um, so, the first one, she was eating a mini muffin, and it popped out in the muffin. And then the second one... Last How stale were these muffins, John? They were spongy. They were spongy and fresh. Uh, Interesting. And then last night, like brushing teeth, we were looking at it and I was like, that's just got to come out and just pop right out. Let me go grab my hammer and uh, chisel. Well, I pulled one of your son's teeth out too. Like, yeah. It just when they're ready, they're ready. Right. So, uh, but Wednesday, you know, we put five bucks under her, her pillow, took the tooth. Right. Last night, my wife, Brittany goes in and lays with them and falls asleep in there. So I was like, all right, I got to move the elf. That's like my responsibility tonight. I was like, oh, let me catch up on emails before I go to bed. Mm -hmm. Okay. Do my navage before I go to sleep. <laughs> Lotion my tattoos, get in bed. And then <laughs> my wife comes in at like four in the morning. She's like, did you, uh, did you put the money under the pillow? And I was like, you were in there with her. She's like, well, I didn't do it. And I was like, well, I didn't do it. So I go and uh, we told her. Five bucks for the first two, four for the second, three for the third, two for the, you know, oh, like yeah, uh, uh, descending scale. So I go, I count out four dollars, I put it in my pocket, and I creep into her room. And as soon as I walked in, four a.m. As soon as I walked in, her eyes pop open, and she goes, "Tooth fairy didn't come." And I was like, "What?" And she lifts oh her pillow. God. She's like, "I've been checking all night. Tooth fairy didn't come." And I was like. Uh, okay, I guess I'll just crawl into bed with you for a minute. 
So I, <laughs> I get in bed with her and she starts to drift off and I'm like slowly and quietly trying to pull the $4 Ugh. out of my pocket and slip my hand under the, uh, the pillow at the same time and like make the trans. And she kept waking up. So long story short, I made the transfer. I snuck out. She woke up in the morning. She's like, I can't believe the tooth fairy didn't come. And I just let her go with it all day. Uh, and then like nine o'clock we were eating breakfast. She's like, I'm going to put that tooth in a plastic bag. Maybe the tooth fairy will take it then. And I said, yeah, why don't you go do that? So she took it back there, went under the pillow, saw four bucks and was elated. So it all worked out. Well, thank God. So that's not horror related, but it was a horrifyingly, um, I felt very, very vulnerable (laughs) in that moment. Like I might fuck up parenting in this single one fell swoop right here. Very suspenseful. Very suspenseful. Um, we mentioned Patreon. We've got a Patreon. Check us out. Patreon.com slash horror dads. Got a $10 tier, $5 tier. We will be doing a watch through on Patreon with one of our, um, we love all of our follow followers equally, but when you've got a follower all the way up in Canada and Canada folks have been killing it with buying our merch, um, we get super excited, so we'll, we'll be doing a watch-through episode with Ashley Fava um, next month in January, and this month we'll, we'll be delivering an episode there, too. So We're going to change our uh, headquarters to Canada and just start commuting. Or uh, we might, but U.S., you got a chance. So if you want to step up the game and buy some merch, um, we've been shipping way more to Canada lately than we have yeah. uh, to the continental U.S. I'm going to sell my uh, football jersey and buy a uh, curling jersey (laughs) so (laughs) suck on that america so uh check out our patreon um check us out on social media instagram's our favorite platform slash horror dads but we're also on facebook twitter uh slash horror dads uh we also have a website horrordads.com the uh, merch we just mentioned uh is available on there so if you want to check out suiting yourself up in some horror dads merch you can do that on horrordads.com um, but with that, we've got some big, big names and some little, little movies little, to talk about. Little, little movies. You want to get into it? Let's do it. Let's get into it. All right. So my first big name, little movie is from 1982. The actress in question here has gone on to make such films as Ghost, uh, Indecent Proposal, G.I. Jane. She was a member of the Brat Pack. She was in roles such as St. Elmo's Fire. Pamela Anderson, I knew it. It's Demi Moore from a movie called Parasite. 3D. The movie fantasy of yesterday is now the terrifying film experience of the future. For technical reasons, the preview you are about to see is not three-dimensional. Be assured, Parasite is the most gripping and frightening movie you will ever see. And in 3D, you will be part of the terror. You are about to witness the future. Be warned. Nice. So, have you seen this movie, John? I've not. Dude, Parasite? What year? 1982. Hmm. This is not the Academy Award winning. I was going to say, uh, I've seen a parasite. No. I don't think I've seen this parasite. You, sir, have not seen this. Is this uh, her first actual role or did she have like TV I think stuff? this was her second actual film. 
Yeah, and to, to put some parameters on it, so we didn't do a hard, 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 like, hey, first thing ever, but we did, like, first thing of significance, I guess? No, I, I think the point here was not uh, which film in your history it was, but, like, your status as an actor or actress. Like, at the time, your name was not big, right? Yeah. Uh, regardless of where this was in your career, you just didn't necessarily have a big name at the time. Uh, the movie never really had a big name, but now you do have a big name. So, um, I mean, some of the movies on this list are bigger than others. This is a smaller one. So let's talk about it, though. Let's, what's Parasite all about? And talk about the character. Yeah, so Parasite is about a uh, corporation. So it takes place in, you know, the future. Whatever the fuck, 2050. You know, back then the future was not nearly as far away. 2020, there's a yeah. mysterious <laughs> virus that's sweeping through the earth. Exactly. Uh, so it's like post-apocalyptic kind of yeah. uh one of the quotes of the movie is like um like for one of the trailers or whatever was the first futuristic monster movie in 3d this movie came out in 3d dude in 82 yeah in wow. 82 uh so the effects were stan winston so i mean there's oh, some nice. like heavy hitters in there yeah uh but the movie does not necessarily it's a flop the movie itself is fine uh the effects are amazing for the time too it's just like you know there's some lasers and stuff that yeah, don't yeah. translate well at all uh but the movie's fun i i highly recommend it it's super gory uh the effects still they really do hold up uh you know i found myself wincing a lot about some of these types of films like i found myself talking to like fellow horror fans that when you bring up movies like night of the comet they're like that's too nerdy yeah i, yeah. I don't think i've so encountered. I've encountered some conversation where people are like, nah, I don't go that far into sci-fi. And it's like, well, that, that movie's not even sci-fi, yeah. right? Um, so I, I can understand maybe where movies like this might flirt on that line of sure. like sci-fi horror. Yeah. Where some people are like, nah, not my thing. Like uh, Alien 2, you know, a- Alien 3. Like, ah, I'm not going all the way there, you know. So what's funny about that is this movie was kind of billed back then as uh, like Alien meets Mad Max. Oh shit! Okay. And um, but the like the parasites themselves. So this corporation develops like these two. Mutants. I wish I could explain, like, take a picture of your body language right now as you're explaining <laughs> the parasite. Jamie's making his body look like Santa Claus, essentially. The parasites well, themselves. The parasites coming out of that uh, that region. Uh, but it's about this corporation essentially that develops like two different mutant flesh eating parasites. Um, one gets like inside this guy who's like the carrier through the movie and the other one escapes. Uh, so it, you just have a lot of fun with like, you know, you have these people hunting, hunting this parasite down and I don't know, super fun. Uh, but anyways, Demi Moore is a, I think she sells lemons, something fucking weird. <laughs> oh, it's funny when the futuristic films like commoditize things that are commonplace. Exactly. Today, you know, that's exactly what like, this oh, was. Like Twinkies are a commodity or lemon. Yeah. Uh, what's the character name? Do you have it written down? I do. Her name is, uh, let me find it. Oh, Patricia Wells. Patricia. So Patty. And she's one of these. Yeah. Patty, <laughs> I don't think she goes by Patty. She's one of these uh, characters that we encounter kind of uh, maybe a quarter way through the film. All right, so she's not a lead. I would say she is a lead. She's not the lead. Okay. You know, co-lead. Yeah. Well, cool. I mean, this, this is a good recommendation, and 
a movie we've not talked about yet and something for people to check out. The parasites sure. themselves. Um, oh God. So it seems like practical effects are like four out of five here for you. Yeah. yeah. Oh dude, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what's funny is the lasers they are look more like, I, I read something about it that said the parasites look more like something from shivers than they do from alien, uh, which is correct. Shivers. And what's God. funny is, I guess, as I was reading this, it's I saw like a that, very specific reference. It really is. And I saw that uh, David Cronenberg actually, like, when Alien came out, he said that they, he was like, they stole these, this design from Shivers. Oh, no shit. That was like what he uh, claimed, I guess. Huh. But yeah, Parasite, 1982. Check it out. All right, man. Good I give pick. that, that's a thumbs up for me. Thumbs up. Yeah. All right, cool. I've not seen we're gonna one. We're going to talk about some real clunkers in here. This is not one of them. I feel like mine are not as big a clunkers as uh, maybe some of yours here. This is one of those movies, too, that you're going to sweat. Like, as you're watching it, they're all sweating, and you're like, oh, God, I'm sweating. I need to turn on uh, like the air conditioning. Cha- the original yeah. Texas Chainsaw Exactly, <laughs> dude. Yeah. Your clothes are just sticking to you. Yeah, for no reason. All right, cool. So I'll head to my first pick here. So I'm going to a film in 1993 called Leprechaun. The luck of the Irish is being packed and shipped to a little town in South Dakota whose luck may have just run out. Character's name is Tori, starring a uh, wonderful actor, and she later went on to be a very, very large and prominent role in the TV show Friends. Was in movies like The Breakup, Wanderlust, with Paul Rudd, which is hilarious. <laughs> so funny. Uh, uh, Where the Millers, and other big films. But uh, Jennifer Aniston, the character of Tori in the film Leprechaun. So lepre- I, was, I was just about to do a leprechaun voice. Oh, let's and, hear and, it, dude. No, dude, no, in my head, it. listen, in my head, I was like, this is a pirate. I, I, can't, I can't do it. <laughs> All right, so here's the deal. By the end, so I'm not going to put you on the spot because I know you won't perform you know well on I the can't, spot. Yeah. But please, before the end of this discussion, just jump in and do it. Like at some point. Possibly. All right. Just. It, I'll even feed you the line. It was a pirate, dude. Just say, I need I my pot of gold. Just, just scream <laughs> it. I think it was something that right. Matey keeps coming to mind. Oh. Mm-hmm. Matey. <laughs> <laughs> but this movie was directed by Mark Jones, starring our buddy Warwick Davis. Uh, That's my buddy. Jamie's buddy Warwick Davis. The wand. <laughs> um, Ken Olant, I believe his name is, and then Jennifer Aniston. Those are really the the core characters that we're we're working with here. The, uh, it's been a minute since I've seen Leprechaun, but isn't like the handyman type dude the guy from Pee Wee's? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so there's like there's like crew, you know. You have like the handsome dude who's got biceps and this like cut off like a uh, purple tee or like a 
button up that just has no sleeves and a mullet, right? Um, it's Does not that guy have a mullet. A mullet. No. It's just it's nice, you know, nice black hair. Um, but then <laughs> okay. he then he has like his his two sidekicks. Like one's a kid, which is like, what is this kid doing working for you? Um, and he's like the sidekick, basically from Indiana Jones, almost child uh, labor laws, bro. And then there's the one, the one dude that you just feel like he's such a sweetheart and he's so simple and like hardworking and kind. That's but the like, one. Pee-wee. Yeah. Yeah. And he's the guy that you're like, uh, you know, he, he has like a mental disability basically and they all kind of like pick on him, but are uh, supporting him. Yeah. Um, and he has like basically like the last line of the movie, like he does the one line, one liner at the end. Um, so like, it's all the movie has such good intention. Um, and the characters are like actually pretty genuine and pretty sweet. Like you, you, you care about all of them, which I think is honestly half the battle through a lot of this shit. Like so many of these horror films that we talk about, especially the crappy ones, like you just don't care about the characters, but in Leprechaun you do. And everyone kind of has like a little bit of an arc. Yeah. Uh, especially Jennifer Aniston's character. So, um, Jennifer Aniston though, she had some TV bit parts prior to this and oddly enough, Jamie and Mike and Maddie, if you're listening, she had an uncredited role in Mac and me. What? Yeah. Learn that today. I'll hop in my wheelchair right now. (laughs) Um, but this was definitely her first big movie and her character arc is really interesting. Cause she's like this girly girl, Valley girl. Um, think of like, uh, um, uh, just think of Jennifer Aniston. Yeah. The, or the character from clueless, basically <laughs> like coming to the share. remote, like, yeah, share yeah. from clueless. <clears throat> um, this, this like West coast, she keeps talking about living in Los Angeles, chewing uh, her gum way too loud. Chewing her gum, wearing ridiculous clothing, clothing for being in the environment that she's in. They're in like a desert setting, right? I think it's North Dakota. Oh, or there's there's some exchange that she has with her dad. They have like a shining moment where the car is driving and you're hearing their conversation. Yeah. Um, and she, I think she says something about North Dakota, and I think he says like, "Oh no, we're in Utah," or or maybe it's vice versa, um, but it's something similar to that. So it's it's out west uh somewhere in some remote location. Okay. Um but uh you know she's got this uh LA attitude. She's a vegetarian. She won't eat the meatloaf. Um LA attitude. Yeah, and she's like totally <laughs> totally adverse to killing anything, right? She's like I I I don't eat meat. Like I won't I don't like to kill things. Yeah. And I it, will not kill a leprechaun. Yeah, and then Obviously, yeah. uh, the story evolves and her tune changes and she she gets her hands dirty. Um, and there's some I want me pot of gold. That was good. good right? Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. If you're just tuning in first good impression Jamie's ever done. Sorry. Indeed. No, that's, that's real. True. Yeah. But that was fucking good. I almost did a little uh, Irish jig oh. after I well, don't don't don't, don't uh, mm-hmm. get too far. ahead. Yep. Uh, Might pull something. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, man, I'm going with this uh, as my first pick because this was a good springboard for her. Um, The movie's fun. And our buddy Adrian Chilpa uh, sent both uh, Jamie and I the box set on on Blu-ray for Leprechaun. So I was super pumped and eager to pop that in in preparation for this episode. So thank you so much, man. Oh, my God. 
I look at it every day on my Blu-ray shelf, and I'm like, I love you, Adrian. Yeah. And I can't wait till March. Yeah, seriously. I was pumped to have an opportunity to watch this before before the season. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Good excuse. Yeah, for sure. All right, so that's my number five. So where are you heading to number four, man? Oh, we're heading to Chicago, a big towering apartment building. Uh, but before I tell you uh, what movie it is, we're going to talk about a guy who uh, won an Academy Award for a movie where he wrestled with a bear and got uh, beat to shit. His name is Leonardo DiCaprio in the movie Critters 3. After their first visit... Call the army. They're here. Who? Who? Them? You thought they were destroyed. But they return. And they're getting bigger. After the second encounter... You thought the fuzzy devils were dead. But you were wrong. You're not as smart as you think you are. The critters are back. They've just rolled into the big city. safe at home. Which had no business being made. I didn't know he was in any Critters Yeah, movie. dude. Please critters, enlighten all of critters us. Critters 3. Shit, okay. All right, so this is uh, Leo's first movie. Happened to be a... Uh, happened to be a straight-to-video... Uh, critters 3 sequel. Or Critters sequel. Part 3. Uh, so it takes place in... Uh, Chicago, or I'm sorry, Los Angeles. Fuck. Chicago, god Fuck. damn it. We were just oh, talking about Los Angeles. must have been Angeles. thinking of uh, Exorcist, or uh, god damn. Child's Play. Poltergeist 3. Oh, yeah. So, I've got a question for you. Yeah. When do you think the last time Leonardo DiCaprio watched Critters 3 was? So, apparently, this is one that, like, he doesn't want people to bring up, he doesn't like to talk about. <laughs> so, I'm going to guess Never. Never. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, no, our favorite uh, razor, uh, razor teeth furballs are uh, back, and they're out of uh, Grover's Bend, and they're into L.A., where they're at this apartment building that, for some reason, everyone that like the movie starts at like this rest stop in the middle of like the desert almost, <laughs> and you meet a bunch of characters that, for some reason, all live in this goddamn apartment building. Jesus, so. Did you watch this in preparation for this? Yeah. So what's Leo's character like? What's he all about? So he's one of the kids in the apartment building that essentially um, helps fight the critters. I mean, there's really not much more to it. You know what I mean? He's got a, a shitty stepdad who gets eaten by the Krites. If you're worried about spoilers for Critters 3. You already know the plot. Get a job. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, the, honestly, it, it's a lot of fun. It's a really shitty movie, but. The Critters franchise as a whole is fun. You yeah. know? I mean, like, by nature, like, it's not too serious. You cannot take yeah. it too serious, yeah. no. It, I always get the Critters and the Ghoulies mixed up. Dude, but, I do but too. The, but, like, the Ghoulies are the ones that, like, come from the toilets. And they look like Gremlins. Like, not from Gremlins, but, like, they, they look like They almost look like, like mini Chuds, kind of. Yeah. The Critters like, are the ones that kind of look like Gremlins. Very furry and... The Ghoulies have like, have, like, a body form. Yeah. 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 Not the critters. The critters are just kind of balls of fur that with just amazing teeth. Yeah, it's funny when you said Critters Three. My the image that popped in my mind immediately was a toilet. the goalie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Uh, so, but listen to this, dude. Just so this movie came out when Leo was sixteen. All right. Um, he was. How old was it? It was it was nineteen ninety one. This came out just two years later, nineteen ninety three. A movie called What's Eating Gilbert Grape comes out that Leo wins an Oscar for. So it's like. And when was Titanic? Unbelievable. Like 95, 96. That was probably around ninety six. Yeah. yeah. Same year screen, probably. Uh, but I think prior to this movie, he was on Growing Pains. I think we all knew him as like the little orphan kid. Yeah. Growing Pains. Oh man. Yeah. Fascinating pick. I didn't. I didn't see that coming. Is my sentence. And if you're thinking to yourself, I need to go back and watch the entire Critters franchise. I think it's all on HBO Max. That's where I watched Critters three. But also, you can buy that Blu-ray set. I think it's on Screen Factory. It's pretty cheap, like thirty-five bucks for the whole set. Yeah, man, they sell some. I can't I single cannot, installments for thirty-five bucks. I cannot explain how much I look at this Critters box set and go, "Do it? Do I need this?" Well, I feel like now you do. Child's Play too. That's the other set that I'm always looking at. Like, oh. can you do a Critters impression? Never. <laughs> All right. Good pick, man. Yeah. Very good pick. Critters three. Deep dig there. Deep. All right. I'm I'm gonna go to a deep dig as well. We've mentioned this movie before, but we've not talked about it in depth yet. So I'm going to a film from nineteen eighty about a young bride to be who's being stalked upon by a serial killer in uh I believe it's Staten Island in New York, and she gets help from a former lover. And there's some some question uh, around whether or not they're going to escape the clutches of this uh, serial killer. Um, what so, is it? So this is a I love I love the suspense we're building oh, here. God. So it's uh, starring a man who's been in a few movies such as The Burbs, Big, Saving Private Ryan, Forrest Gump, Castaway. Who could it be? So many great films. Corey Felt no. <laughs> Uh, we're talking about Tom Hanks and the film is the 1980 great called He Knows You're Alone. On the night before her wedding, every girl is alone. Joyce. Nancy. Amy. Tricia. Joan. On the night before her wedding, every girl is frightened. And this time, there's good reason. Oh, this is the uh, the one that you bought me. It is, man. So this is directed by Armand uh, Mastroani, I believe is his name, and starring Don Scardino, Caitlin O'Heaney, Elizabeth Kemp, and our buddy Tom Hanks. Um, so this was legit. Like, I think his first film credit was this movie. Like, no no TV beforehand. Like, this, I, I believe, was his first credit that he ever had. Uh, and it was back in 1980. I know I've talked about this film a lot on the podcast because um, I think I saw it for the first time in college, actually, on the Chiller Channel. Um, I remember I got, like, AT&T U-verse, which was, yeah, like, you did. the most badass thing ever. We all treated you like you were, like, a rich kid because you had that. Yeah, and, like, the Chiller Channel was a thing. And I remember, like, seeking, at, like, that channel got discontinued for some reason and which is fucking uh you know heartbreaking 
and I, I was calling like cable providers like you got the chiller like when I moved and bought my own first house I was like you got the chiller channel They're like no that doesn't exist and I was like fuck it I'll call someone else and like I wouldn't take no for an answer until I realized the answer was actually just no um, but uh, this movie is it's it's a whodunit it takes place um, in the winter time so this is like a really good time to watch it um, I was just talking to our buddy Mike Boylan um, in uh, the Alone in the Dark podcast. He said that he he bought this movie and he has it and it was still in the uh, shrink wrap. So I wonder if he watched it or not. Oh, damn. Um, but uh, the Tom Hanks character in this movie, um, his name, I, I can't recall because um, he's not a, a like he's a very ancillary character. Uh, but his he he's like this kid who who interacts with one of the other ancillary characters not like our main protagonist um our main female protagonist and he uh is like jogging through the woods basically and he meets um the main protagonist and her friend and they go to this <laughs> they go to this festival and at the festival they have this good time and like he's going to basically like hook up with a friend but like he's a, he's a <laughs> psychology major and he psychoanalyzes one of the characters um and there's this like comedic moment where they're like oh man that's like a really profound a profound assessment that you made like how far into your psych degree are you and he's like i've had psychology one um and it's just like (laughs) kind of like a comedic moment uh but this movie, honestly, like I know I've been talking about it a little bit um, over the past couple of years. This this is a really good one if you've not seen it. Uh, I really enjoy the the whodunit aspect. Uh, it's a little bit hokey. the The acting is not um, necessarily top notch, but um, the score's fun. It came out post Halloween, uh, and it's in that era, and it feels like it. And um, there's some serious like commentary to uh i don't want to say it's a, a like a feminist film by any means but there there's some commentary to um that layer of class right and they talk about like the idea of of being made a housewife and like what what one's ambitions might be and what influences that so like it's 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 kind of cool uh to see that discussion happening so early back in 1980 and reflecting on it now you know, as a dad of yeah. two girls and, uh, it's fun. It's a good movie. Great. Yeah. It's a good pick. Good, uh, good movie. Tommy Thanks for Hanks. buying it for me. Have you watched it? Yeah. You like it? So I don't think I saw the end because I was watching it with your sister. Um, who is, who I'm married to. Yeah. Who's your wife for those and, that are uh, first listening. She did that thing where she was like, fuck this movie. <sighs> yeah. Don't, it's not it honestly it's not because she didn't like it it's because she didn't want to watch it and didn't you know yeah so like i was like sure trying to watch it by myself i'll finish it but i i really liked what i saw honestly yeah this is a good one yeah and also dude seeing somebody like honestly that's the thing about this if you when we say these names it may not seem like a big deal but when you go back and watch these movies and you're like wait he was in this and you know they like went to a serious audition, like an yeah. audition, yeah, and had to beat out 
20 other people right. for this role. That's it's very crazy. ancillary. It's crazy. It is. Now, is it, was Tom Hanks already like uh, famous at this time? No, was he the, already in, uh, what's that show? First Welcome credit. Back, no. Potter or whatever. This was fuck. his first credit he ever had was this movie. Jesus. Yeah. It's pretty impressive, though. I think it might have happened the same year. Um, I think he had some other credits in 1980, same year. Huh. Uh, but, yeah. Pretty crazy. Yeah. All right, so... My next pick, I'm excited about this one because I love this fucking guy, this actor. Um, he's been in some of our favorite shows, uh, Parks and Rec. He was in uh, Six Feet Under, Party Down. He's been in Step Brothers, Krampus, and uh, most notably, Piranha 3D. I'm talking about none other than Adam Scott. And the movie is... is uh, Hellraiser Bloodline. Oh, fuck. Centuries ago, a toy maker set out to build the perfect puzzle box. A gift that would bring enchantment to all who possessed it. He never dreamed that this simple toy was the key to the gates of hell. Uh, this movie is kind of a, it's like a prequel, like an origin story and a futuristic story all at <laughs> once. It, it's, it's like the Hellraiser in space movie, but it also goes back to like 17th century France uh, for like the, for the origin of the box. Hellraiser X in 1776. French toy maker <laughs> made this thing. So Adam Scott is in both both segments of this uh, movie and it's dude, it's absurd. Like his hair, uh, his character. But what's funny is I saw this interview uh, that he did with, you know, one of the late night guys. It was with Conan actually, who I love. And uh, he was saying how like, this was his first like major movie. So he was just felt so like prestigious because like he had his own tra own trailer and like he gets to the set and they have like his own chair and his name was spelled wrong. Like it was his wrong name on the chair. It was like Adam Craig instead of Adam Scott. So, you know, whoever made it was like, yeah, he's got two first names. Who fucking cares? It's Hellraiser four. <laughs> and uh, so I just thought that was really funny uh, because this movie is, I don't know. I think it's fine in the, uh, you know, the, the franchise, but, uh, I'm not one for the, you and I aren't really big on Hellraiser to begin with. So the, the sequels don't really have much, much luster for us. Zach Lovitz. Sorry, buddy. I think you, uh, specifically said we got to talk about Hellraiser. So here you go, Zach. We're going to have to meet up at noble creature and get your uh, feedback on, on this one. So have thumbs, you seen this, John? I have not. I did. I, I don't know that I've ever seen it in full. I've seen like parts. I think when we were prepping for the episode we did with James Bullock, um, that I like put it in the queue and I may, maybe like put it on and then walked upstairs and then got distracted. Yeah. This is one that's not streaming that much. So like, I, I'm sure I caught it on sci-fi or something, but Jamie spent forty nine ninety nine on a Blu-ray yeah. from Japan. I just bought the entire franchise. Yeah. Import. <laughs> Oh man, very specific, deep, uh, deep pick here, buddy. Dude, super deep. Uh, so this movie came out in '96. I already said it. He was 23 when this came out. So, and dude, his career is just like blossomed into this 
I mean, he's like a star now, right? Wait, speaking of which, episode 16, we had our friend Justin Caroline on, and then recently, our love letter to fall part two, we had him on, but isn't, didn't Justin pick him up from the airport one time? He did. So through, through work or some, like some weird thing. I think it was through AP magazine, his boss from there knew someone who was like, Hey, uh, Adam Scott's coming in town to shoot this role and need someone to drive it was around. when that they did that like omen type movie yeah with the kid uh, oh dude i know exactly what you're that, i don't know that the name, took but place yeah. in cleveland yeah Damn. yeah and justin was like driving him around and he said he was like incredibly nice yeah and he was like speaking of horror dads talking to his like kid on the phone in the back the yeah, whole yeah. time um but justin said he was really fighting the urge to like talk to him you know oh and you know justin because <laughs> it would come out he'd be like Hey, uh, do you, uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Tell me about Parks and Rec. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, that's a cool pick. And I just remember that story. Dude, also, also before this movie, I think he was in a lot of like TV, like ER, NYPD Blue. And he was, uh, one of the bullies in Boy Meets World. Uh, he wouldn't, ne- that I know, man. a bully. Yeah. <clears throat> Crazy well, shows the spectrum of acting. He Dude, has. definitely, and I'm I'm pretty sure in Bloodline he's like a bad guy. So there you go. I wouldn't know. You will. All right, I'm gonna go uh, to more of a name brand, um, not in character but in film, because all these characters are name brand. But I'm heading to the movie the the year 1984. This was the year my sister, your wife, Jamie, was born. Uh, This film is starring a man that later went on to be in roles in the films Sweeney Todd, Edward Scissorhands, Pirates of the Caribbean, uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Oh, my goodness. Some big movies. Big movies. Uh, Tight with Tim Burton. This is Johnny Depp in the film A Nightmare on Elm Street. The kids of Elm Street don't know it yet, but something is coming to get them. There's something out there, isn't there? We just see cuts happen. What did that, Lieutenant? I don't know. There's a coroner got to say. He's in the jaw and puking since he saw it. You're gonna kill me for sure. Did you do it? There was somebody else there. He was locked in a room with a girl who went in alive and came out in a rubber bag. No one knows where it came from. So his character in Nightmare on Elm Street is Glenn. Glenn Lance, I believe his name is. Um, <laughs> and much like the Tom Hanks film, this was his true, true first film. So he joins his, the screen as, uh, as Glenn. He's really just a kid and he's got great synergy with these other kids who are like equally as awkward as he is. Um, he's got these like really goofy moments. Um, do the, the moment like where he's, uh, calling his mom. I just rewatched through this movie this week in preparation for this episode. So when he's calling his mom and he's like, Oh, I, I always tell her I'm staying at my cousin's. He lives by the airport. And, and Rod gave me this tape this morning. It's got these sound effects. And then it has the sound effect of like the airplane going. And then it devolves into like someone getting murdered. 
and screaming for their life. Like, I love that whole scene, but like his reaction to it after he hangs up the phone and like grabs his hair and he's like, ah, fuck. Oh yeah. Um, and when they're like in front of the school and I think Tina's talking about the dream that she had and he does that thing where he's like, it's just this like really (laughs) awkward, like out of place almost kind of thing. And it's funny to see, uh, people playing characters that are not, possessing the confidence that you know they have now as like these like refined prominent prestigious actors and actresses so like seeing seeing those like moments of vulnerability and just like goofiness is kind of cool yeah dude it really is um you also can see the star quality and potential from that role you know yeah in comparison to his peers uh 100 100%. although i don't think that movie's Everyone is well. I think Rod's kind of the. Rod is the D. Yeah. Yeah. He's the. But he, you know, in the interviews that you watch after the fact, like Rod said, he was like, I think a, uh, on heroin or. <laughs> oh, yeah yeah, yeah. 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 Um, But yeah, great synergy. Um, He's got the most amazing belly shirt <laughs> uh, imaginable. Dude. Listening to that fucking like boom box with the headphones. Um, not, not very different from the headphones Jamie and I have on this moment right now. Um, and he's got the most iconic death scene in, in the film. Yeah, he really does. One of the most iconic scenes in, in horror, um, uh, with the blood, uh, spraying through the bed that they had to build a room basically upside down, which is super cool. I think um, he made youth around the nation, uh, drain their water beds for good. <laughs> You know what, mom? I want a physical mattress. Yeah. Firm. I want to be able to bounce a, <laughs> a bowling ball off this bed. So, but yeah, that's my number three, man. Yeah, that's good. So I was going to do a different movie, uh, but since we're here in the world of uh, Freddy, let's stay in it. Oh, where are you going? So we're going to go to Dream Warriors. think i'm gonna pick oh it's got to be our girl yeah it does have to be our girl yeah uh that girl is patricia arquette yep uh so this movie came out in 1987 when patricia was 19 years old uh this was her first film and she plays kristen parker of course uh who is just one of the members of the amazing dream warriors uh she went on to win an oscar for do you know what movie she won an oscar for it was 2015 I don't know. It was Boyhood. Did you see that one? No. That's why I don't know. That was the one that kind of, they filmed over like 12 years or something. So I'm terrible when it comes to like. Uh, Dude, I know. I watch a lot of movies, obviously. And this isn't to say like I don't watch current films, but like the blockbusters, I just, uh, I haven't seen all of them. Um, So 
I wouldn't expect myself to get that right. Well, it's funny because keeping up with recent horror films is honestly... It's hard. That's tasking enough. Yeah. And then you ask me to watch some fucking Hollywood blockbuster that I'm really not excited about. Yeah. Why would I do it? You would do it because it stars a person from a film you loved back in the 80s. Like Patricia Arquette. Yeah. So let's talk about Patty. Your second Patty. (laughs) I mean, there's really not much more to say other than uh, Dream Warriors is collectively one of our favorite uh, horror films in general. Us and our buddy Chris. Yeah. I think most horror fans have a super appreciation for Dream Warriors. Uh, the Just the camaraderie of the group, uh, the the way the story goes. And this is the first time we really see Freddy break out of his shell. Yeah. And it's, it's funny because we talk about the kind of the awkwardness of some of these characters because they're so young. Um, and you read all the stuff about on this specific set how... There was so much tension because like people were dating and breaking up and like uh, there were there was all this like high, all high school movies, yeah. yeah intensity kind of uh, specific to this film. And I guess like everyone had a crush on Patricia Arquette, obviously. Yeah. I mean, how could you not? Yeah. And um, it was like a big thing. So. Was this her first true film? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, it was. Yeah. Uh, like I said, she was 19 and. Dude, it's just crazy. I again, I just just uh, overwhelming to kind of see some of these people that, um, you know, got yeah. their start in these movies that like. And this is a, but this was a big one. This isn't Critters Three, you know. Yeah. Oh, it, it's definitely the third installment of a franchise, but it's not. Uh, it's not. Critters. No, no, it's not. <laughs> good pick, man. Very good pick. Yeah, and so she goes on to do. I didn't uh, mention she goes on to do True Romance, which is. Fucking amazing. That's an amazing film. Uh, Boardwalk Empire. Me- oh, shit, yeah. Medium, uh, Ed Wood, and then she was in uh, one of our favorite Shia LaBeouf movies. I'm speaking for myself. Uh, Holes. <laughs> I was like, yeah, Disturbia. Great, great film. <laughs> oh, is that his mom? <laughs> um, all right, man. Good pick. Yep. So I'm going to head to um, similar decade, but later. 1989 to a film starring a man, a handsome, handsome man who can basically pull off any haircut, any style, Johnny Depp, any, anything. And it's not Johnny Depp, Tom Hanks. And it's not Tom Hanks. Uh, this, this dude went on to make a film called 12 monkeys, a movie called seven meet Joe black fight club, snatch oceans 11. He, uh, knows how to be cool basically all the time. So I'm talking about Brad Pitt in the film Cutting Class. It was just another ordinary, dull, and boring semester at Warley High. Attention, faculty and students. This is Mr. Dante, your principal. The classrooms were in disorder. As of today, you're suspended. Relationships were impossible. Not until your grades improve. And the teachers were insane. But this year was going to be different. Someone was going to teach a lesson no one would forget ever. This guy's honestly the Tom Brady of acting. He's the (laughs) fucking Tom Brady of acting. It's like, 
not only are you good at what you do, but you're handsome. You know what I mean? It's that, yeah, and it's that like thing. fuck you. Yeah, you know, nobody should be that cool and it's handsome. Like, all you at want once. Mike Glennon to be as good as Tom Brady? <laughs> no, but they just Never. aren't. Um, but cutting class. This is a good one, man. It's a. So, I wasn't a huge fan of this one. Because <laughs> I, I, I think you hated this. his character. I hated him. Yeah, hated him. So his character is is Dwight Ingalls is his name. Uh, and this movie is directed by Rospo Pollenberg, starring Donovan uh, Leitch, uh, who is kind of Brad Pitt's like counterpart in the film. And uh, Jill Sholin, who was also our star from the movie. Do you know? No. The Stepfather. It's the daughter from The Stepfather. No way. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you know what? I think when I was watching it, I think I discovered that. Yeah. I did that thing where I was like, what is she from? Yeah, but so she's really kind of our main character. I, well, I mean, it's like a trinity, really. It's uh, Donovan's character, it's Brad Pitt's character, and it's hers. Is she the one that works at like the Sonic? Like she, she doesn't work there. She, they're they're there together. Okay, at, at that point, but she's like she's the main character. She's like the the Val Victorian to be. She's oh, the, they just hang out there. Yeah. 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 Uh, she orders a hot dog there. Brad Pitt goes and gets it for her. Um, but there, you've not seen a douchier main character than this guy, uh, than, than Dwight. Uh, and honestly, everyone in this film needs therapy with the exception of our female lead. Like she's the one that has it together. Everyone's mentally unhinged. No one has their shit together, but her, uh, her father's like the district attorney and he's on this hunting trip and he's going through this like comedic, like, uh, like comedy of errors, like trying to get home. And it's almost like Ferris Bueller, Ferris Bueller's day off meets like, uh, like once bitten meets, uh, like prom night. Like it's like those three films had a kid and it's this movie object objectification of, of women happens constantly in horror, obviously in a lot of things. This movie specifically to this character, it, it occurs to a comedic, like unbelievable level. You've got the the creepy art teacher who's literally like making her pose in high school class and basically like a leotard, and he makes her bend over to like pick up an apple, and he's like, "See the muscles in the back," and he's like rubbing his hand on her back, and like he's like, "And look at the butt," like just a total fucking creep. The janitor, uh. Total creep. Gym teacher. Total creep. Uh, Roddy McDowell, our buddy from Fright Night. Oh, yeah. Uh, Mr. Dante in this film. Let me guess. Fucking creep. Total creep. He gets her new cheer- cheerleading outfit, brings him to her office, and asks her to oh try it on. Oh, my God. Yeah, no, no. That that guy's rapey as fuck. And he goes, I, I won't look. And then... Uh, oh, Jesus. I forgot. I, this movie sucks, dude. I hate this movie. So I kind of went into this like, oh, yeah, I remember watching this movie. I'll be honest. Despite all of those things, this movie, like, it has all that shit, but it's still like an 80s slasher whodunit. So if you're into that that thing, I'm not trying to justify anything. You know what I mean? But All right, so let me ask you this. Yeah. This was ahead. your, what, second watch? Oh, no. I've seen it probably seven, eight times. All right, I've only seen it once. Oh, okay. So I'm wondering if maybe I watch it more, if it'll grow. Because the premise is fucking, I'm all in, right? Yeah. But I just hate this Brad Pitt character so much. 
No, and he's so when it ended, I was like, I'll never watch this again. And he's like this. He is basically Stan, like the Stan character from the faculty. Yeah. However, without like the nice, without the desire to be good. If Stan dated my daughter, I'd be like, you know what? That's okay. He's Stan when he already is a fucking alien. (laughs) That's the Stan he is. He's the Stan on the other side of the the door, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's crazy because like he just like is like hammered all the time in this movie and he's just like a shit bag. Although I'll hang out at that fucking Sonic any day of the week. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'll go there too. I love when movies have those places. Yeah. I always no, think no, of really. license to drive. Yeah. It's, it's the yeah. same, same sort of deal. Archie's. But yeah, that's my number four, man. Good, man. Good, good, good. Oh, uh, actually not. Fuck that. Uh, all right. So my last one is we're going to talk about someone who is a fucking like icon an iconic actress. Uh, definitely an Academy Award winner. And she is somebody that, like, you see the face, you don't even need to know to know the name, right? Um, but this movie is shit, and she has <laughs> a total of, I think, 10 seconds of screen time in this movie. Really? And the dialogue uh, extends to, he's coming. Ah! And it is, uh, the movie, the movie is 1995's Children of the Corn 3. Urban Harvest. Based on the short story by Stephen King, the master of horror, the terror began in the fields. Then it grew stronger. Now, evil is about to show its face once again. Bill and Amanda Porter have just adopted two boys from the country. Modest dress is the surest way to a pious life. And the actress in question is Charlize Theron. Okay, so I have a couple things to ask. All right. One is you picked Critters 3, Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3, and now... Yep. Man. Well, you didn't realize this is actually a uh, Part 3 episode. (laughs) 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 So what year was this? 1995. Man, so this is one of her, dude, one of her first. How old do you think Charlie's thrown? Because in my mind, she's 70. Yeah. And she's, still amazing looking. She, and she's probably not that much older than you. Yeah, <laughs> like, no. So in Thanks 90, for saying so. In 95, she was probably what, like 19? Dude, are you Charlie's Throne's husband? I'm John Throne. Or brother, yeah. She, <laughs> she was 19 years old. Wow. 10 second fucking screen time. All right. So she won an Oscar for monster. Yeah. Which I hated that movie. I mean, she's so disturbing. She killed it in that movie. I hate that movie too, but so she good. acts the shit. So out of that good. Role. She's, she's amazing. Yeah, she is. Um, and she, I mean, again, she's an icon. She's, you know, every perfume commercial is her or Johnny Depp. Um, <laughs> so welcome to the new episode <laughs> of perfume dance. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I will see how that smells on my wrist. Yes. Um, but yeah, no, this movie is, again, pretty, pretty uh, bad. So it, this one focuses on two mysterious brothers uh, adopted by two unsuspecting parents and brought to Chicago once adopted. Uh, because what could go wrong when you have uh, two psychopaths from bumfuck Nebraska um, in a city full of children? So they use uh, mind control to recruit children into their shitty um, 
Bitcoin loving cult. And uh, Charlize plays one of Eli's followers. Like she doesn't even have a name. It's just Eli's Eli's follower. Follower number three, come up, please. Yeah, exactly. A little longer um, on the ah. Uh. She looks. <laughs> she looks great while doing it. Uh, she is great, and uh, the movie is not great. <laughs> Man, very deep cut. Super, super deep. Have you ever seen this? I, I have no idea. No, I've seen Children of the Corn marathons on uh, Sci-Fi or AMC back in the day, but. I could not tell you that I've seen this one. I don't, I don't know. I'll be honest. I feel like you picked five, like you went deep on these. Yeah. I thought that was the goal. Yeah. And like, like when I did Patricia Arquette for dream warriors, I was like, ah, is this too on the nose? <laughs> <laughs> is this too watchable? <laughs> Man. Man. All right. Cool. So in the season of threes, I yeah, a, let's do it. I have a full, full circle here. Perfect. You ready for this? Cutting class three. Cutting class Ugh. three starring Brad Pitt's third brother. Brad shit. Sorry. I am Crad Priff. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to go with a TV show actually. So. Oh. A little bit of a nudge, a little bit of a cheat. Um, I'm going with a TV show. Uh, from 1995, one of my all-time favorite TV shows. Jamie loves this show as well, The X-Files. So, season three, episode three. What are the odds of that? Full circle. Full circle. All right. Season three, episode three. This episode is called DPO and it's starring two, two very famous people. One being uh, a man that went on to do films like I know the, exactly which one this is. The Cable Guy, The Fan, Mars Attacks. I still know what you did last fucking summer with your dreadlocks. Goosebumps, Shallow Howl, Orange County. School Rock. Which you could have used. I still know what you did last summer, by the way. Oh, no, no, no. You could have. Because we're a couple years, <laughs> four years earlier. Uh, and then another man that went on to do some like previous work of shows like The Commish, My Two Dads, The Twilight Zone, Wonder Years even. Um, He's on but, Friends as well, right? Uh, I, I think, he, no, he was. Yeah. yeah. Boy, Boiler Room was one of his movies. Yes, Boiler yeah. Room as well. Um, who could it be? And then later, you know, the mod squad, Virgin Suicides, Boiler Room, Gone in 60 Seconds, Lost in Translation. So we're talking about the show, The X-Files. The episode is called DPO, and we're talking about Jack Black and Giovanni Ribisi uh, playing the characters of Bart, also known as Zero, played by, by Jack Black, and Darren Peter Oswald by Giovanni Ribisi. Hence the name of the episode, DPO. That's a great one. I, I love the arcade vibe of dude, the... Yeah. I, I love this show so much. In this episode, uh, we, we talk a lot about the dichotomy between the Monster of the Week episodes versus like the larger, uh, more like mythology story arc, yeah. Yeah. you know, interweaving things. So this is definitely a Monster of the Week episode, which is what I am partial to and Jamie is Same. as well. 
Although I will say that on the most recent watch through, like the, I'm not as like apprehensive about the mythology episodes because the more you watch it, the more you kind of grasp what's going on. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Um, so this episode though, the agents investigate the deaths of, uh, several young people who were, uh, kind of like struck by lightning in the same small town. So this, this episode was directed by Kim Manners, uh, rest in, rest in peace. He did a, a ton of, uh, X-Files episodes, uh, starring obviously David Duchovny and Gillian Anderson and our two young studs here. Um, <laughs> young studs. <laughs> Using that word pretty liberally, bud. Well, Giovanni Ramis is a stud. (laughs) Jack Black is a a talented singer, also studly. Um, (laughs) Five, I think five male teenagers in Oklahoma were kind of like reported to have been struck by lightning. Uh, And one of them survived, right? And the most recent death pulls Mulder and Scully in and they confront local law as they always fucking do in every small podunk town. And they've got to, you know, solve the case before they kind of get, you know, electrocuted like everybody else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but Giovanni Ribisi's character is, is so, he, th- this is very well acted. He's like, it uh, is very well acted. He's kind of he plays this character that's almost like uh, a savant esque sort of character where he's got very, I guess like advanced technical skills. Like he's he's works as a mechanic. He's like good with cars. He's super good at video games. Um, but everyone kind of treats him like, hey, you scrub, like do this, do that, and they kind of tease him a little bit. Um, and he's in love with one of his former teachers and kind of feels like he's gonna be with her uh, to no end. Um, utilizing his telekinetic electric powers, I guess. So to your point of him being great at video games, I think at the beginning he has the high score in like every game. Yeah. And it shows the initials DPO. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I love that. That too. Very uh, Mad Max ish. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, But his counterpart is here. I thought so much about stranger things as I was like rewatching this episode and researching for it. But his counterpart, Zero, um, played by Jack Black, is like, he's almost an enabler, as well as like a, a Jiminy Cricket sort of character. So like he enables and he also kind of challenges um, in in certain respects too, like trying to be a little bit of, of gravity and that kind of goes to his, uh, his detriment. Um, but, he questions the morality of some of these choices. Yeah. Yep. 100%. Um, especially that scene is so impactful when, uh, Giovanni Ribisi is sitting up there with Jack Black and he's like, well, Jack Black wants to use the powers for greed, right? Like, why don't we just go to Vegas and like uh, all the slot machines, you know? Yeah. And he's like flipping the, uh, the, the traffic lights Mm -hmm. to cause accidents basically. Uh, when they're on top of the roof, right? I'm staring at the, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really well done. Yeah. Um, but this this is again great demonstration of the awkward teenager. He's always wearing that Vandals T-shirt. Um, I love this one because you get that '90s teen movie vibe, uh, dude. Right? It's moody, you know, yeah. like it's got that moodiness, which is so cool. What's that movie we love? Disturbing Behavior. That you get movie, almost yeah. that kind of vibe from like the yeah. atmosphere of the town, even though it's bum bum. You said what? Idaho or Nebraska? Oklahoma. Same thing. Yeah. 
Um, but that's that's why I liked disturbing behavior so much because I said like this is basically an episode of X Files. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I thought this would be a good one to bring us home with. Dude, that is a good one. Yeah. Um, again, you could have used I still know and gotten away with it. <laughs> I thought this one was more fun because it was a twofer, and um, we we talk about the X Files a lot, but we don't talk about specific episodes. So yeah. I thought this yeah, was yeah. A, a good opportunity to do that. So season three, episode three. This episode is is the season of the threes. Yeah, DPO, man. That's a good one. DPO. Uh, so what do we have on the docket, man, for the end of the year? We've got maybe... So we, we have an interview coming up with someone we're really pumped to talk about. Who is it? Yeah, um, our buddy Kenny Sledge, Sledgehammer Horror. Uh, he, uh, he has a very, very, very active YouTube channel, uh, he and his wife, and we're going to bring them on. Uh, to talk about supernatural horror films. So we're recording so excited. a week from today. Yeah, and he has a show where he does, uh, he calls it My First Horror Film, I think. Yep. And yep. he has, you know, celebrities, and I think he had Ben from Fright Rags on, and they come on and they talk about uh, their first, I know he had Steven Tramontana yeah. on there. Yep. And they talk him. about their first horror film. It's kind of a short, like, 15-minute type deal. Yeah. Uh, but super, super great. Uh, Kenny's super knowledgeable, and... Really excited to talk to him. Yep. So we're going to have him on. And then hey, we're going to have his wife on as yes. well. Sorry to interrupt you again, but yeah, uh, Kenny and Ashley uh, will both be on. And uh, Jamie and I are going to try and squeak one in to uh, an, an additional just uh, he and I before the end of the year. So uh, hopefully you'll have two more from us before 2022 happens. Um, but we love all of you for listening. If you've made it this far and um Good luck with your holiday shopping. Everyone stay safe. Love each other. Watch some good movies. We hope this was a little informational for you. Yeah, and my dad tip of the uh, episode would be, I'm going to start doing this, just adding dad tips in. You know, fuck it. I didn't even consult with you. Uh, my dad tip is do not buy the snow cone at Disney on ice. Dad tip of the pod. Love you guys.